Hello friends, this is Caleb Suko, and you are listening to the gospel today. I am coming to you from Odessa, Ukraine, sitting here on a very rainy day here in Odessa. It uh, should be spring, it should be getting warm, but it is, it is rainy and some parts of Ukraine I know saw snow yesterday. Thankfully, down here in Odessa, we didn't see snow, but kind of some cold rain. So we're looking forward to a little bit warmer spring days, hopefully coming very soon. But despite the rain, I am excited to be sharing with you on the podcast today. It's really a means of communication that I enjoy and I enjoy hearing your feedback as well. I want to do a couple of things on the podcast today. One, I just want to talk about the last month or two, I guess it's really about two months, March and April, and give you some updates of what is going on here. There's been some real difficulties and struggles, but despite that, we've also seen some of God's blessing and some growth in the church. And then also, I want to share with you my sermon from our Easter celebration on April 4th called Do Not Be Afraid. And I hope that that will be a blessing to you. And then I want to share with you some news about us coming to the U.S., But for that, you'll just have to stay on until the end of the podcast, okay? I'm going to share that with you after the sermon. So hold on to the end of the podcast and I'll share that with you. So let's start off first. Some of these these difficulties that we've uh, experienced, I actually uh, am writing an update right now. Maybe you just got my update and so you're listening to this. Uh, to our, our newsletter, but the update I entitled, I entitled when, when Everything Seems to Go Badly. And honestly, right around Easter, that's kind of how I felt. It was just like everything was going badly. We had on different levels really bad news about things. One was coronavirus. The numbers were going up and up and up and up. We were in our second wave The numbers were going through the roof, deaths were going up, and it just seems like that coronavirus is not going away. And that was a discouragement. And then, of course, uh, the other pastor in our church, Pastor Stefan, his family got sick. Thankfully, they are doing better now, although Pastor Stefan still has a few uh, health issues uh, lingering, and so appreciate your prayers for him. Then my in-laws both got coronavirus, and we were more worried for them because they are both in their 60s, mid-60s, and and so we're worried for them. And then, as far as Ukraine goes, I don't know if you noticed, but it has been in the news, in the world news recently because I, and I don't know why (laughs) this happened, I can guess, maybe it's because of the new president of the United States, but... President Putin of Russia decided to send a bunch of troops to the border between Russia and Ukraine, and that caused alarm in Ukraine. And in fact, last week or two, we had a number of anti-terrorist drills going on in Odessa. Uh, We had military vehicles in our city streets near our uh, the entrances to the city, as well as at some major points like the uh, the bus station or, or the train station and places like that. And I think that was also a reaction. So we saw Russian troops gathering on the borders, 
And, and then in addition to that, and I think I wrote about some of this a little bit earlier in March, just uh, some, some real spiritual difficulties with a couple of families that we are working closely with that are involved with our church. And so all of that was just, I was looking at it and thinking, what is going on here? Everything seemed like bad news, honestly. And, you know, I think that oftentimes in these situations where it just seems like everything is bad news, that we can be pretty sure that God is doing some great thing. Because we often, we expect God to do good things when our temporary conditions are what we would call favorable. But the reality is, friends, we see that God works in marvelous ways, despite the conditions, really. But oftentimes, He works in people's hearts when conditions are what we would consider less than favorable. And certainly we have seen him doing some great things. We have seen him working through our church and God has given us more and more opportunity to minister to internationals here in Odessa. And that has been a a blessing as well as somewhat of a burden as well because it is it is work and but also a big a big blessing and encouragement to us to see that God is working in the lives of Africans and Asians and Europeans and Americans. And it doesn't matter what country they're from, uh, the gospel is the same. Uh, but one of the challenges that we do have here is, is trying to effectively communicate and minister in different cultures. And that has been a new, I guess, challenge for me because for you know since 2007 when we came to Ukraine uh, I was very used to I, I became very used to ministering in a U- typical Ukrainian culture but now that our church is international I have to kind of constantly be on my toes to be thinking about okay how can I best uh, communicate this to someone let's say from India or from West Africa or North Africa or somebody from Ukraine or somebody from from Europe or somebody from North America or somebody from South America. And we've had, a, or, or, or somebody from Asia, uh, further in Asia, we've had all of these different people represented uh, visiting our church from time to time. And so that is a difficult thing, but I, I continue to be convinced that there are certain things that are cross-cultural. And one of those things that are cross-cultural, no matter what, is the love of God and love of Jesus Christ. And so I just try to resort back to the simplest, simplest things, just trying to be sincere in my love for God and for those people around me. And, and you know, I think that people, people do notice that, that, and that's what we want them to notice. We want them to notice God's love in us. And my experience in Ukraine, in South America, in North America. I've not been to Africa, but I almost over the last year now, I feel like I've been to Africa in a way because we, we have quite a few Africans that attend our church. But my experience in these different cultures is that the love of Christ is extremely cross-cultural. And, and I would add to that to say that when we go out of our way to reflect 
and to shine the love of Christ to others, that oftentimes our differences in culture, instead of getting in the way, they actually highlight Christ's love. Uh, what I mean by that is that, you know, I'm not African, okay? I'm not Ukrainian. I'm not South American. And, and, and what happens is that we see each other's cultural differences, and, and where there's no love, we take offense at those differences. And we see that happening all over the world, where people are different, and because they're different, they take offense at it. But where Christ's love shines through, what happens is those differences are not taken as offense, but it's like Christ's love supersedes them. It, it overcomes them. And those differences become not something that we are upset about, but become something that is an endearment to us. Like, you know, I really like how South American cultures greet each other. They're, they're very warm in their greetings, you know. I like that, okay? Or I really like how African cultures have such a vibrance about them in their worship. Or I really like how Ukrainian culture has such a seriousness to it when it comes to their relationship to God and their spirituality. And so we look at some of these differences and we can actually see positive things in them. And it is kind of an endearing thing. But the factor that either makes or breaks that is the love of Christ. And also, as I was talking earlier, talking about everything going badly, uh, coronavirus going badly, Russian troops on our borders going badly, right? Uh, a lot of uh, some, some spiritual difficulties, you know, God uses those things as well. And I've um, had the opportunity privately to counsel with more people about deep spiritual things in the last well, I, definitely in the last three months, I would say, definitely in, in for this year, let's let's say since since January first, I've had more opportunity to talk deeply about core spiritual things with people to answer their questions about Christianity, about faith, about Jesus Christ, than than in many years prior, and and these are sincere questions. These are people who are coming have sincere spiritual uh, spiritual anxieties, I would call them, and they don't know where to turn. And these are not necessarily people from Christian backgrounds. So God is opening the doors in ways that I've never seen, and he's opening the doors to, uh, to many different countries through Odessa International Fellowship. Uh, but one of the things that I come back to and come back to is that we need prayer support. And I've probably done a bad job about getting prayer support <laughs> over the last few months just because I've been busily involved in, in ministry. But I really, really would ask ask you sincerely for your prayer support for for our family, for our spiritual well-being, for Christina for the children, and for Pastor Stefan also, and our other people who are active in ministry uh, here in Odessa, Ukraine. There's many things that I would love to share with you, but uh, I, I uh, am limited in what I can share just because of the public or the private nature of some things. Uh, so, but I'll just leave it to say we, we need your prayers. If you would like um, 
to get on our prayer uh, list. If you're not on it, you can go to sukofamily.org slash pray and you can sign up there and then you can get our prayer letters. All right, that was a little bit of a longer intro than I expected. Let me, I wanna share with you now my sermon, Do Not Be Afraid, which I preached um, earlier this month as we celebrated Easter here in in our in Odessa at Odessa International Fellowship, I want to share that with you. But stay tuned to the end because I'm going to share with you some dates, some travel coming up to the states. Uh, hopefully, if you are in the states, we will have a chance to see you and connect this summer. All right, here we go. Sermon from Easter. Do not be afraid. As we celebrate Easter this year, we look back over the last year and we realize that it's been a year of fear with the pandemic, with COVID, with quarantine, with many people who have gotten sick and many of us who have lost loved ones. This really has been a year of fear for many people, not knowing what is beyond the next day and the next week and the next month. Will I get sick? Will I have to go to the hospital? Will one of my loved ones get sick? Some people fear these things. I think to an extent we all fear some of these things in our life. Some people fear just getting sick. Some people maybe have a fear of death. Some people fear their family members, maybe their elderly parents getting sick. Some people might fear their financial difficulties that come along with the pandemic and quarantine. Some people might fear loss of contact with those close to them because of quarantine. And some might fear and wonder if life will ever return to normal. Fear is unfortunately a common thing in our day and age. And I think everyone to one extent or another has fear about something or experiences, maybe depression or anxiety because of what is going on in our world. As we look at the gospel story today though, we want to look at fear and we want to look at how the gospel helps us to overcome fear as well. What's interesting as I begin thinking about this topic is that when you look at the gospels beginning from the birth of Jesus, you know what you see? You see a lot of fear you can see that fear is actually a central aspect of the gospel story. For instance, there was fear at the birth of Jesus. Mary and Joseph feared when the angels came to them. Zacharias feared also when the angel came to him. The shepherds, it says that they were terrified when they saw the angels that announced the birth of Jesus. And then we know that there was this ruler called Herod who was also terrified when he heard that there was another ruler that was being born and people were coming to honor him. And so we see there was some sort of fear or terror even at the birth of Jesus. We can also see this during the ministry of Jesus. If you know the Gospels, you might remember that part where Jesus comes to the disciples walking on the water and they were in terror. They thought it was a ghost. Or we can think of James, or Peter, James, and John on the mountain of transfiguration as Jesus was transfigured and they saw him in his glory and they heard the voice of the Heavenly Father. And it says that they were also terrified at that moment. And then, of course, you have the fear of the Pharisees 
who were afraid of Jesus because he was so popular. And they were afraid of the people because they loved Jesus so much. They were afraid of the opinion of the people. And then, of course, at the end of Jesus' life, we also see fear at the crucifixion. What happened to the disciples before the crucifixion? They ran in fear, didn't they? They were going to stand there with him. Peter proclaimed his, his undying faithfulness to Christ and even his willingness to die with him. And yet he ran in fear. Pilate also, when he had to judge Jesus, he feared. He feared the people's opinion. What are they going to do if I say that he's not guilty? And he compromised because of his fear. And finally, we see the centurion, the soldier who was at the cross. And at that moment when Jesus died and he gave up his life, it says that he was terrified. There was an earthquake. And there was this soldier that said, surely this is the Son of God. But finally, we see the fear at the resurrection. And this is an interesting fear because Jesus already died and now... They're afraid because he's not in the tomb anymore. But we also see that that fear then changes from fear to faith and then to joy. And that's what we want to have in our lives today as we look at the resurrection, that God would change our fear to faith and then to joy. Amen? Amen. So let's look at this verse or this passage, Matthew chapter 28. Verses 1 through 10. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing was white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for he is risen as he said. Come see the place where he lay. So then, then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going with you before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to him, to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. Here we see this amazing story of these two women that are going to the tomb. And I think that first of all, it's important to point out and not overlook that it was these two women who went to the tomb in the face of fear. It wasn't Peter. It wasn't James. It wasn't John. It was these two women who gathered their courage. And despite the fact that they obviously still had fear, they obviously still did not know exactly what was going on and why Jesus had died. They gathered their courage and they went and they went to the tomb. They decided to go. This is, friends, faithfulness in the face of fear. 
You know, it's not wrong sometimes to have fear. There are natural situations where we might have just a natural fear because we don't understand everything that's going on. But what we see is that these women, through their faith, were able to conquer that fear and continue to do the next right thing. And how important is that for us? You know, the worst thing that you and I can do in our fear is nothing. God wants us to be moving forwards. He wants us to keep believing Him, even though we might be experiencing some fear in our life, to keep trusting Him, to keep expecting that He will somehow, some way, overcome the darkness in our life. And these women surely did not understand exactly how God was going to do that. But I think that they believed God was going to do that. I think that they probably thought of some of those prophecies of the Old Testament that gave them hope even in this very dark time in their life. For instance, Isaiah chapter 50 verse 10 where it says, Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the word of his servant? Let the one who walks in the dark, who has no light, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on their God. What a hopeful verse that is. Maybe you are experiencing a dark period in your life right now. You need to trust in God. He is the one who has the light. He is the one who knows the way. And God wants that simple kind of faith in our life every day. Don't let that darkness kill your faith in God. Be like Mary Magdalene. Be like this other Mary who, even though they didn't understand it, they took that step of faith and they continued to move forward. They knew that something was going to happen. Here's another verse, Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 12 says, as a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they are scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. What a wonderful promise that we have from God. A promise of salvation. What is this day of clouds and darkness? Friends, a day of clouds and darkness is when we realize that we no longer can make it on our own. When we don't see a way out, but God has a way out. That's the day of clouds and darkness. When we see some sort of threat against us, but God says, no, I'm with you. I'm going to save you. That's the day of clouds and darkness. And certainly these women were in that day as they went to the tomb. But of course, maybe they remembered Jesus' own statements, which actually he took from these Old Testament prophets like Ezekiel. John chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And then he later says, and then he takes it up again. On his own will. He's the one who decides. No one takes it from him. And as they thought about that, they must have had some sort of faith that kept them moving forward. They were slowly coming to the realization that Jesus had done just this. He had laid down his life for his sheep. For them. They didn't know exactly how or what he would do next. But they did believe. 
And so we see how important it is to have faith in the face of fear. What is it that you fear today? You need to have faith in God. He knows the way out. But we see also a sad example here. We see fear without faith. And that is truly terrifying, to tell you the truth. We see it in the guards. Look at chapter, or, uh, Matthew chapter 8, verse 4. It says, And for fear of him, the guards trembled like what? Dead men. Friends, the guards didn't have faith. They didn't know this Jesus. They didn't have faith like these women had. And so what did they do? They trembled like dead men. While these women could walk, while they could still do something, while they could still move forward, these men couldn't. And who were they? They were the Roman guards. They were the tough guys with shields and spears who shouldn't be afraid of anything. And yet they were. And because of their lack of faith, it says they trembled like dead men. Fear can paralyze us. Fear can stop us from doing the right thing. It can keep us from functioning properly. And for many people, unfortunately, that's what it does. There are many people who have lived for years in a state of fear. And because of it, they, they can't properly interact with other people. They have fears to go outside of the home so they don't go outside of the home. They're afraid of failure, of change, maybe of relationships, maybe of unknown things. And they live in that fear daily and because of it, they're unable to function normally. God does not want that for us. Let me ask you, why do you fear? Why do these guards fear? There's a few reasons why they feared. They feared because just the shocking nature of this whole thing, right? This angel, the, the stone is rolled away, and, and obviously they, that was very shocking. They did not expect it. They feared because to them that was an unknown power. God is a great and mighty power, and if you don't know him, that is very scary. But when you do know him, yeah, it might still be a little bit scary, but you know that that is a good God who is doing that. They feared because they sensed the presence of a holy God. And so what was their response? It says, they trembled, they were as dead men. And notice in this text that the angel doesn't talk to them. Jesus doesn't talk to them. Why? What's the point of talking to dead people, right? They were not in any state to listen to what the angels would say or what Jesus would say. If you allow yourself to be paralyzed by fear, the problem is that you're not even in a state to, to listen to what God wants to say to you. You're not in a state to listen to what other people want to say to you. It causes so many problems for us. And then later it says in verse 11, it says they fled the city. And you know what? Instead of seeking the truth, what did they do? It says they took money in order to stay silent. They just took a bribe. That's the consequences of fear. They didn't even take time to seek the truth, and instead they suppressed the truth. Fear will always suppress the truth in our lives. In fact, what happens when we are motivated primarily by fear? What happens is that we easily compromise our value system. We walk away from Christ in difficult times. We can be held in bondage by destructive behaviors, and 
Honestly, it's very difficult to make wise decisions. Our faith is weakened when we allow fear to overcome us. It's honestly, it's just, it's impossible to overcome these fears without faith. Fear might be your first reaction to something in life, but don't let it continue. Turn to God. God invites us to place our faith in Jesus. And He is the only one who can truly calm our fears. And so we see something now much more wonderful than what happened with these guards. We see these women, and we can see them go from fear to faith and joy. And that's what happens, friends, when we put our faith in Jesus Look, starting in verse 5 of this text, it says, The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen. Just as he said, Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He is risen from the dead and is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Fear as an emotion is something that needs to be calmed in us. And I don't think it's always wrong as just an emotion or a reaction to something, but still it's something that needs to be calmed in us, in us because we don't reason very well when we are overcome with these emotions of fear. And so what we see is both the angel and later we see Jesus, what did they do? They comforted, didn't they? They comforted these women. They knew that before they were going to give them instructions, before the angel, before Jesus, before he was going to give them instructions, they just need some comfort. They need some comfort in their fears. And I think that says a lot about God. It says a lot about how much he knows us personally, how he knew these women personally, how he cared for how they were feeling. He wasn't just like, hey, you idiots, I told you I was gonna rise from the dead, why didn't you listen to me? He's like, hey, calm down, don't be afraid. Now that you calm down, let me tell you the good news and let me give you the instructions of what you can do now. Go to Galilee, tell the disciples that Jesus is risen. And then they were ready to hear that. The truth of Jesus' resurrection was what really calmed their fears, wasn't it? They realized that Jesus hadn't left them. They put all of his statements together, all of his teachings together, and they began to understand what he was really doing. And that faith and that truth put together, it started to eliminate those fears in their life. And they started to understand what they needed to do. Look at John chapter 10, verse 18. Again, this is Jesus talking about himself as the good shepherd. And he says, no one takes it from me. He's talking about his life. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up. You know, when they crucified Jesus on the cross, it wasn't the Romans who killed him. Jesus willingly allowed his life to be taken. Jesus gave up his life. If, they, if he didn't want to do that, they could not have killed him, amen? 
And then when he died, he willingly took back his life. How many of you can do that? You can't, right? I can't do that. If somebody really wants to take my life, they can probably take it, unfortunately. And once they've taken it, I can't do anything about it. Jesus is unique, friends, because only he can, when he wants, how he wants, willingly give up his life and then willingly take it up again. And they begin to understand these statements that Jesus had made earlier in the book of John. Or, for instance, John chapter 11, verse 25, when Jesus is talking to Martha, and he says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection of the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Amen? Amen. And that's true. They will live even though they die. Jesus is the first. Jesus proved that he can do this for us by his death and resurrection. And although there was still a remnant of fear, maybe, in their hearts, now their faith was taking over. And it was producing a growing joy. It says that they were afraid, yet filled with joy. It's kind of, I don't know, maybe you've experienced something like that before, where you're, you're still a little afraid, but yet you're also filled with joy, knowing that, that joy is actually going to eventually overcome that fear in your life. And how do we know that they were really filled with joy? Because they went and did what Jesus said. They ran. They didn't walk. They ran to tell the disciples. But we see something else here. We see that this faith that they had, it produced worship. A faith-filled heart is always a heart of worship. And we see this as these women come to Jesus. He greets them. And what is their first reaction? They fall down and they worship him, right? Verse 9. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. They worshiped Jesus because now they fully believed in his claims of deity, of resurrection, of being a savior, of being the Messiah. They worshiped Jesus because they realized that he had conquered death and he had conquered their fears. It's interesting also to see Jesus' response. In the English translation here, it just says, he says, greetings, right? But the, the Greek word there is actually literally means rejoice. Rejoice. He said, rejoice. Be happy. Have joy. I am alive, friends. I hope that you have joy today just by simply knowing and believing the fact that Jesus is alive. We all have different situations in our life. We might be going through something difficult. We might have difficult relationships. We might have a difficult job. We might, I don't know what you're experiencing in your life. But what I know is that the fact that Jesus is alive is enough to give us joy no matter what we are experiencing. Amen? Amen. So let's have that joy today as we think about the resurrection. And then Jesus gives further instruction. He says, he doesn't want them to just stand there, right? He doesn't want them to just sit there. I mean, they could just sit there and enjoy his presence forever. No, he says, okay, go now. Now go and do something. If we understand the resurrection, if we believe in the resurrection of Jesus, God wants us now to go and do something. 
He doesn't want us to be immobilized by our fear. And he doesn't want us to just sit in the church 24-7 either. He wants us to go and do something. Now I want to share this picture with you. You can see this picture on the little flyer that we gave out when you came in as well. This is a historic painting by Alexander Ivanov. Uh, in the 1800s, he was, he was a Russian painter, and it is called Christ's Appearance to Mary Magdalene After the Resurrection. And there's a couple of interesting things that we can note about this painting as we look at it, as we see Jesus here kind of half turned towards Mary Magdalene, and Mary Magdalene falling down on her knees as we see in the scriptures here to, to worship Jesus. And first of all, we can see that there is still a bit of lingering fear if you notice, the background here is, is very dark, kind of representing that fear, the fear that Mary Magdalene had, that the disciples had. But if you, if you notice carefully, that darkness is, is more or less behind Mary now. It's still lingering, but it is behind Mary. And as you look at Mary, you can see the position of her hands, and it's kind of in this position of almost looking like she's asking Jesus for some help, right? She's putting her hands out towards Jesus, and we can maybe sense a little fear in the way that she has her hands, and she's asking for help, but we also see her faith. We see her faith because she's on her knees in worship. We see her faith because she's looking at Jesus, her Savior. She is looking up at Him. She's not looking at herself. She's not looking into the darkness anymore. She is seeing Jesus and she is seeing the wound in His hands and in His side. And she is believing. She's not as much in shock as she is in faith and worship. But also look at Jesus here. It's kind of interesting. You see, with, with one hand, with his right hand, he has his right hand out almost as he's saying, okay, don't, don't come any nearer to me right now. But the other hand, his left hand, is almost beckoning, saying, yeah, I'm here. I'm going to be with you. Come to me. And you have this sort of tension of, okay, Jesus is here, but at the same time, he wants me, where? To go and tell the disciples. And there's a bit of a, a tension that we see, and it's interesting how the painter actually illuminated. Did you notice that the light is shining on the direction that Mary is supposed to go? She sees Jesus now. She believes in Jesus. But where is she supposed to go? She is supposed to go and tell the disciples. And you see the light in the forest, through the forest, in between Mary and Jesus as Jesus says, go and tell the disciples. And there's a tension in this painting of come to me, but, but also go and tell the disciples. And it's a tension that I think that we live in today that we, can, that we call sometimes the already but not yet. Jesus has already died and rose from the dead and he offers us salvation already, but we're not yet in heaven, are we? The already but not yet is a time when we may experience some fear because we're not yet in heaven. But a time when we know that even when we experience fear, God is with us already. And we can choose at this time to just live in our fears and be debilitated by them and incapacitated by them or to live in our faith and in belief in a risen Savior, Jesus Christ. 
As we think about this passage, I think that it's important for us to think personally too that what kind of fears do, do I struggle with? Sometimes we think, okay, well, what will happen if, if I get sick? If I lose my job? If I don't get married? If she leaves me or he leaves me? What will happen if I lose someone close to me? We can just live in those fears and God doesn't want us to live in those fears. We understand that we're not in heaven yet, but God gives us hope and He gives us faith. God wants us to trust Him with our fears. He doesn't want us to be like those guards who are like dead men. He wants us to be like living and shining beacons of hope. He wants us to go and tell and friends, the truth is, hope in Jesus Christ is the only hope that can truly overcome every fear that we have. Because only Jesus Christ has overcome sin and death. Amen? Amen. So as we close, I want to read this final scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And I want you to think about this idea that God, through Jesus Christ, He has conquered sin and death. And that gives us all the hope that we need to conquer our fears. And I want to call you to put your faith in Him completely, in Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 55 through 58, Paul says this, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. The truth and the fact of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is what transformed the disciples and made them not fearful, but fearless and faithful in the face of great suffering. What about you? Have you trusted in Jesus? Are you looking to Jesus like Mary Magdalene is in trust and faith? You should, because He will calm your fears. Okay, friends, I hope that sermon was a blessing to you. And as I promised, I, on the end of this podcast, I wanted to come on and share with you some dates. We are planning to be in the States from May 25th until August 11th. And, you know, everything is, we were planning to do this last year, but because of quarantine, everything got shut down. So we're going to try it again this year. Our tickets already got canceled once because things are crazy with quarantine and coronavirus. And a lot of airlines are canceling tickets. So they got canceled once. We repurchased them. So hopefully they'll be good. We're praying that they will. Uh, we're looking forward to coming back, connecting with a number of you. I, okay, so those are the dates, April, May 25th through August 11th. Uh, I'm not going to share with you all of our Sunday dates here on the podcast, but I will have that in the show notes, okay? They will be in the show notes. I know the first Sunday we will be at our home church, Discovery. I think that's something like May 30th, uh, and then we're going to be visiting, I think, about nine or ten churches while we are there. That's all the Sundays while we're there. So if you want to connect with us, check out the show notes for this episode at sugufamily.org. 
and you can find our calendar there and I will be updating that if there's if there's any changes to it but pretty much the Sundays are already nailed down if you would like to connect with us to meet with us if you're interested in supporting <laughs> missions in Ukraine international missions from Ukraine uh, we would love to talk with you and we would love to just share with what with you what God is doing and how you can support that whether with prayers or with with finances uh, we really appreciate that. So send send us a note, Caleb at superfamily.org, or just go to our website, superfamily.org, and send us a note there. All right, friends, until next time, blessings.